This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We will continue to provide updates on the terrorist incident in London, England. At the moment, London police say they are treating a gun and knife incident at Britain's parliament as a terrorist incident until they know otherwise. It appears a man with a knife attacked a police officer at parliament and was shot by officers. There are also reports of a vehicle hitting pedestrians on nearby Westminster Bridge. But again, any updates, we will provide them for you throughout the hour here on Zuma Radio's Fight Back so you don't need to go anywhere else. Well, there's no doubt about it. Everyone wants a piece of the federal budget. After all, we all fund it through our federal taxes. But there's an overriding sentiment at the City of Toronto that the other levels of government, both provincial and federal, have not been meeting expectation when it comes to funding priorities for Toronto. Is that about to change? City Budget Chief and Councillor Gary Crawford will join us later this half hour. But first, City Councillor Gord Perks is on the line. Welcome to Fight Back, Councillor. Good afternoon, Jane. Well, tell us, you know, we know that Mayor Tory, uh, yourself as well, and other councillors are hopeful that the federal budget will include priority items. We're hearing a lot about a wish list for affordable housing and transit. And Mayor Tory is even saying that he feels he's been heard. Are you as optimistic? Well, Jane, sadly, I'm not. There's, there's a long history here of the federal government inching its way, inching its way, and occasionally just leaping right back from areas where it used to provide funding. Uh, We used to have a a real affordable housing program. They actually operated affordable housing from the federal government. They're gone. In fact, they just dumped it on us, gave us the keys, and walked away. And that's part of why we've got such a backlog of repairs in our Toronto community housing portfolio. I I wish that uh, the federal government would make a long-term permanent commitment to be in the affordable housing game, like every other country in the OECD, but I'm, I'm worried that all we're going to get is a little bit of one-time money. It's that permanent, reliable funding for housing that we need. And the same is true for transit. And one other priority that I, I, I really think the federal government needs to get into, and that's uh, affordable child care. Well, we are seeing an indication that child care will be a priority. Um, You saw the headline on the front of the globe this morning about a a gender equal budget and child care being part of that. Um, So it looks as though there will be some funding in that department. Well, it... uh I want to I want to wait and see what they actually release. There are there are two strategies that that uh, governments look at for funding childcare. One is a tax credit to the family, and the other is actual spending to build daycares and to to, to help operate them. The tax credit scheme really doesn't help people in Toronto. We have the most uh, most expensive daycare anywhere in the country and at the same time the highest level of child poverty. 
If you're in poverty, a tax credit doesn't do anything for you. If the tax credit it, you know, is only a certain amount of money and that doesn't cover the enormous cost of putting your, your kid in care so that you can get to work, that still doesn't help you either. I would rather direct funding of a, of a system uh, and again with that ongoing permanent predictable funding source. Yes. Tell us, Councillor Perks, what is the daycare situation, the child care situation? How many spots are there currently? How many do there need to be? What are parents saying? What should they be paying out of pocket? What should the city be paying? I mean, there's so many different aspects to child care. Well, you're, you're quite right. It's it's multidimensional. Let's me, let me just put it this way. Right now, we have 14,000 uh, people on waiting lists to get their kids into uh, child care in the city of Toronto. And we are not able to provide uh, child care at a, at a rate that people can afford. So more and more we're seeing informal arrangements or, uh, and this is the, the worst outcome, people dropping out altogether of the workforce and having one partner staying at home. You know, I, many years ago, uh, I don't want to say how many, when, when I had kids that were child care age, uh, I didn't make a great income, nor did my spouse, and we actually got a little bit of subsidy from the, the city of Toronto, so I was able to stay in the workforce. My spouse made more than I did. If that hadn't been the case, my career would have stalled out for a number of years, and I wouldn't have been able to go on and be a useful and productive member of society. That's the dilemma face, families are facing right now, and tax credits don't solve that. Tax credits only help a very narrow slice of the population. What actually would help is uh, a fully funded national child care program that built daycare spaces and helped municipalities to provide subsidies to families in need. And how likely is that to be pledged today in the federal government? I'm, I'm not optimistic about that. Uh, from everything I've heard, uh, they're just going to go the tax... the, the uh, the credit the, route? The, the tax credit route, right. and they're not actually going to set up a program, say like they have in, in the province of Quebec, where there's a guaranteed rate that's, that's affordable and where the government actually puts dollars in. When we look at the scenario today, the overall picture, how much of the city's services are being paid for by our property taxes, and how much of the city services are being paid for by the other levels of government? Well, the City of Toronto actually uh, pays for more out of its property taxes than just about any city that's comparable in the world. Uh, if you go down to the United States even, they have reliable ongoing funding for public transit and public housing out of their federal government. They have named programs with set amounts and municipalities can rely on it. It's, it's shocking to people to, to realize that the City of Toronto gets less than American cities. We need, particularly with public transit and housing, we need ongoing funding. We need to be able to know that we can afford to replace the buses we've got, that we can expand the trans rapid transit network, that uh, it's not going to all come out of the property tax base. You can't find a city anywhere in the world where the fare box and the property tax are the only way you cover the cost of transit except Toronto. Well, absolutely right. And those of us who own properties in Toronto, um, 
we are seeing incremental increases every year, but it's a lot when you're looking at nine, ten, twelve thousand dollars a year in property taxes, and you're paying provincial taxes and federal taxes. At some point, there has to be a trickle down from the the taxes that come off our paychecks to fund the services that we use right here in our own city. Well, one of the things that uh, we did uh, a few terms ago uh, when when David Miller was mayor is we looked at uh, how much money is collected in taxes in the city of Toronto and how much is actually spent in the city of Toronto. And it's quite shocking. We, we, we heavily, heavily subsidize the rest of Canada. And I don't mind some of that. We, we have an awful lot of uh, employment here. We have all those big bank towers. I don't mind that helping the rest of the country out a bit. But the problem is that for some of our key programs, particularly transit, housing, and childcare, we are no longer able to provide the basics for for people in the city of Toronto. And if, if the city of Toronto can't provide the basics, its economy does poorly and the rest of the country does poorly. Councillor Gord Perks on the line with us here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Jane for Libby, your calls are welcome as well. 416-360-0740, 1-866-744-740. Tony from Fort Erie, you're on the line. How would you like to contribute to the conversation? Oh, good afternoon. Well, uh, I don't think this Trudeau government knows what they're doing. Uh, I mean, I drive to uh, Toronto about twice a week, and I mean, there was all those potholes, and I had a chunk of uh, concrete come off of a bridge because I had a nice big uh, dent in my uh, roof the other day. Uh, Where's all this money going? I know they're building bridges upside down. They're putting up these gas plants that start, never finish, and yet when... The mayor of Toronto needs a little bit of help. He's not getting helped. Uh, like, I don't get it. Well, and, that, and that's, a, that's a frustration we all feel, Tony. Uh, Councillor Perk, should Toronto be a higher priority than other municipalities in the country when it comes to federal budgeting? Well, first of all, Tony, I, I just want to uh, say thank you to you. I, I'm glad that the people of Fort Erie are on our side in this fight, too. It's not just the city of Toronto that's suffering. If you, if you look back over the last 50 years and ask who was paying for infrastructure. At the beginning of the 50 years, you see a a healthy contribution from the federal and provincial governments and and a reasonable contribution from municipalities. You flash forward to today, and the federal and provincial governments are almost absent from the picture. And cities don't have the right in law to to tax income or to tax any of those other methods that really produce the revenues to pay for services. We have the property tax, and in the case of the City of Toronto, the land transfer tax, and that's it. And what that means is we can't afford to pay to fix the potholes that Tony's talking about as much as we used to be able to. When that when that one big ticket item, the income tax, is no longer paying for municipal infrastructure as it did a generation or two ago, you start to see the crumbling state of affairs that Tony was talking about. Well, well what about this infrastructure bank that we're hearing about? We've been reporting on the last couple of days, and even the Prime Minister alluded to it earlier in the week. Is that something with an infusion of private cash, which is what there's an indication is going to be happening? Is that Might that change the pothole well, situation and the bridges and so on? Far be it from me to turn down any money, but I do have a particular concern about the infrastructure bank, which is uh, the, the lending agencies are able to uh, give a municipality money at a very low rate of interest because they know we're going to be able to pay it back. 
a private company wants a better rate of return because they have to, you know, they have to answer their shareholders and give them a good profit every year. So their interest rates are higher. So the, if they go that route of relying on the private private funders for our infrastructure, we wind up paying more to deliver the same uh, capital projects. Uh, I saw one piece of analysis from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives comparing a, a really good rate for municipality versus a high rate for uh, borrowing themselves versus a high rate using private money. And over the cost of the project, paying off that extra interest can double the cost of some programs. So I'd much rather the federal government simply stepped up and were honest with Canadians. We've cut your income taxes over the past bunch of years. Maybe it's time to put some of that back so that you have high quality services in your municipalities. Councillor Perks, let's get back to the callers here. We've got a full bank of callers on this topic. Clay in Ajax, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hi, how are you doing, Jane? Fine, go ahead. I'd, I'd just like you to tell me how many people you know that are paying between nine and $12,000 in property taxes in Toronto. Well, I'm one of them. Yeah, well, you're probably one of the few because the, the tax structure in Toronto is ridiculous. What we're paying in Ajax and the outlying areas compared to what they're paying in Toronto is unbelievable. We pay at least three times the taxes out in Ajax that they pay in Toronto. Can you speak to that, Councillor Perks? Uh, Clay's, Clay's right, uh, but maybe not about the, the scale of it. But yes, the City of Toronto does have the lowest property tax rate anywhere uh, in the greater Toronto area. That's something that I object to, and many people on council uh, have been saying, no, no, if we're going to ask the federal government and the provincial government to, to ante up, we have to pay our fair share too. We've had, uh, between Mayor Ford and Mayor Tory, uh, govern governments that have either cut or frozen at the rate of inflation our property taxes other municipalities uh, have have not you know just to keep the lights on have had to make bigger increases he's quite right about that and uh, and I agree we need to do our share as well but even if we had the the property tax rate that they have in an Ajax or uh, Markham or Mississauga we still wouldn't be able to cover our bills. We, we, we have seen over the last 20 or 30 years the federal and provincial governments walking away from their share. So, you know, this whole bit about keeping taxes low, it has a cost. We also need to think about the seniors in Toronto who've owned homes since the 50s and 60s. They, it's just simply not fair to price them out of their own homes to raise property taxes to that extent, they're living on fixed income. So you're absolutely right about that, and we have a way of helping in that circumstance. We have two programs: uh, a tax forgiveness and a tax deferral program, so that seniors who are on low in, or, in, or in fixed incomes don't get that property tax increase until they move out, and then the next person in, we catch up that tax rate. So you're quite right. That's something we're aware of, and we do want people to be able to, what we say, age in place, to be able to stay in the neighborhood and the home that they've always treasured, and that's why we provide those, those two programs. Okay, thank you for reinforcing that information. Uh, that's good to know. We've been chatting with Councillor Gord Perks. Uh, your colleague, Councillor and Budget Chief Gary Crawford is on the other line. So we'll say goodbye for now, Councillor Perks. We really appreciate your insight and uh, hearing your expectations and wish you luck for later on this afternoon when the budget comes down. Thanks, Jane. I've got my fingers crossed. <laughs> Me too. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're talking about today's federal budget. It's coming down at 4 o'clock this afternoon. It's expected that it will be more policy paper than financials, with the Liberals staying the course that they set on last year. But many are wondering what's in the budget for me, including city councillors here at Toronto City Hall. We just had a great conversation with Councillor Gord Perks, and now we have Councillor and Budget Chief Gary Crawford on the line. Welcome, Budget Chief. Hi, Jane. How are you? Great. Now, how can the federal finance minister, Bill Morneau, make your life easier as the city's budget chief this afternoon? Well, as uh, my colleague, Councillor Perks, uh, mentioned, uh, a number of items that we would love to see in the budget. But primarily what we're looking for is, is a partner. Um, I think having a sustainable long-term partnership with the federal government moving forward, I think it's going to be a key component to this. And we've had indications that uh, they are wanting to partner with the city of Toronto. We have uh, had in the past where we get this sort of one-off kind of money coming. Uh, We don't know when it's exactly coming. But to be able to have the stability of knowing that this money, knowing that uh, the partnership, when I talk about a partnership, I'm looking at the the three-way partnership between us, the province, and the the federal government. So when we're looking at doing projects like uh, the gardener rehabilitation, uh, the Portland's flood protection, and and a lot of the $33 billion of infrastructure backlog we have, I mean, I could just name off SmartTrack, Transit, we have, and we have in the past, put up our one-third, and, and we have worked, from the city's perspective, we, we do get assistance from the prov- uh, provincial government, but the third part of the wheel is not the consistency with the federal government. So what we're hoping is, is that they will be able to provide the consistency on being a partner on many aspects of, of you know, the things that make this Toronto uh, city great. Well, certainly you can make the argument that the Trudeau Liberals are better friends as a result of having more representation in the city than Stephen Harper's Conservatives ever had. Well, yes. I mean, I mean, and I hope we, we, we can, you know, sometimes stay away from the politics and really look at what the city of Toronto is to the, the, the country. I mean, we are the large, we're the fourth largest city in all of North America, but we are the economic engine of this uh, you know, the province and of course Canada. So having that recognition that the over you know three million people live in the city plus you know upwards of you know four or five million in the GTA, that kind of recognition that we need to succeed uh, if the country wants to succeed, and, and and the importance of investing in the city of Toronto is crucial. We're primarily having a conversation about the funding of City of Toronto services that we're expecting, anticipating, hoping for in today's uh, federal budget. But any of your calls or thoughts or concerns about the budget are welcome. 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Let's go to Frank in Downsview. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Uh, listen, uh, I'm a senior, and I've been in this house since 1958. Our street hasn't been paved since then, so you can imagine how it looks. And I resent the gentleman from Ajax saying that we're not paying enough. Uh, as a senior, I think I'm paying enough. I, I just make it, and I'm, I'm trying to stay in the house as long as I live. I want to die in my house. Well, you know and, I mean? and, and rightly so, rightly yeah, so. No, you know what I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, I know the neighborhood, and uh, uh, I'm safe here. And uh, the, the guy from, uh, the gentleman from uh, Ajax comes into our city, probably has a job in our city. Uh, he doesn't, uh, you know, worry about coming in because our roads are good uh, otherwise to come in. And we provide uh, a lot of stuff for the GTA, 
like in transport and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know why he's always, everybody from outside Toronto is, is calling on our property tax. And it is hard for seniors to keep up with the property tax. Then you have your garbage, extra tax right. and stuff like that. Uh, let me let me put that income. let me put that to the city budget chief Gary Crawford on the line with us. Uh, well, what kind of reassurance can you offer Frank about his home, his street, uh, the little expectations he has as he wants to live out his life as a city of Toronto property owner? Well, what can I what I can say to you, Frank, is is I agree with you. Um, my priority, along with the mayor and of course city council, uh, our priority is to keep taxes affordable for the residents of the city, for specifically the kind of people like you, who have a challenge to be able to afford to live in this city. Um, so we we need to be consistent with that. The idea of just raising taxes, uh, you know, to to do what we want to do, I don't agree with. I look at the other way: is is how can we be fiscally responsible within the money that we spend. So I spend a lot of my time looking at line by lines, looking at the budgets across the city and figuring out how we can, you know, do services better, how we can manage them, how we can how we can save money. And in this particular budget of last year that we just finished, we did over $190 million of those kind of savings. Now what that does, of course, is gives us the ability to keep taxes low, but it also gives us the ability to start putting more money into the important services. But as, as, as my council colleague said, we are limited to how far we can go. Uh, and, and when you're looking at transportation, we spend over $360 million a year in fixing our roads and fixing the potholes. But that is not enough. We need to have that partnership with the, the federal government to assist with that. But again, our goal is to, to make sure and understand that we keep the city affordable for the residents, because that ultimately is what's important to, uh, to keeping the city strong. And what Frank said there about uh, other residents of the GTA coming in and using our services in the city of Toronto paid for by us, the City of Toronto property owners. Mayor Tory was trying to equalize that a bit with the tolls on the Gardner and the DVP, an idea which has been quashed by the provincial government. Are we owed anything by the province and the feds as a result of that decision that was made for us? Oh, I think so. I mean, uh, again, the city of uh, the council took the the initiative, and it was a difficult debate uh, to actually bring in the road tolls, and that would have brought in upwards of $300 million. That would have actually taken about $6 billion of our infrastructure backlog off the books. And yes, the, the, the provincial government, you know, gave us, you know, some uh, some money, but not near the kind of money that we're going to be looking at. They gave us those powers as part of the City of Toronto Act, and, and they said, listen, you can do this if we want. We went to the province, said we would like to do this, and they turn around and pretty much uh, slapped us down, which uh, from my perspective was, uh, was not an appropriate uh, action to take. It looks like we have a bit of a rebuttal coming from another Ajax resident. Clay, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Hi, Jane. Uh, the guy, the guy calling uh, in uh, about uh, the guy from Ajax calling, which was me. I mean, when I drive into Toronto, I'm going into the theater, I'm going into a restaurant, I'm going in to spend money. What does he think people uh, outside of the community are going to Toronto for? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, you were the original caller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we and we take your point, and you're welcome to express your opinions. And yes, you're right. The good and the bad. You come in, you use the services that we pay for, but you also put money into the economy, and and we take your point with that. Uh, we are discussing what the city of Toronto requires as the the biggest city in this country, and certainly councillors Crawford and Perks make great points about what we. Are are owed given how much of the population we actually represent. Let's go to Tony and Lindsay. 
Hey, good afternoon, uh, Jane. Uh, I don't know how you, you guys are there, but I remember when uh, they wouldn't tax anything under a dollar. Uh, life was good. So, you know, in the 70s, it still was the 70s, and uh, uh, bills were paid by government and by people, and they were living a pretty good life. Uh, the gentleman bought Ajax in Toronto. My mother bought their house in Little Italy for $12,000 in 1964. That house now is worth $1.3 million. You know, uh, I'm sure the gentleman in Toronto has his house paid off by now if he bought it in 58. Uh, he's got a lot of wiggle room there if he wanted to, you know, uh, survive till he died in that house. So I don't believe that line because that house got to be worth at least 900 to a million dollars. He might have paid maybe 10,000 or 20,000 for the house. So that excuse I don't buy. I lived in Oshawa and the taxes were incredibly stupid. Uh, but it's not. People that live in Toronto or people live in Oshawa, it's the government's got to get it together. Now they got people fighting against each other because the government can't manage money. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no and good point. We no we all pay. we all pay into the federal government pot, uh, and the money should be spread equally, most certainly. Bill in Toronto, go ahead. Hello. Hi, Bill. Your turn on Zoomer Radio. Yeah. So, talking about public housing, uh, public daycare, and uh, all. So I have to pay for all of this. I take my dog for a walk, and you've got cement ping pong tables built in the parks. You've got sprinkler systems in the park. Uh, you, you build dog parks in the middle of a parking lot. The money that they waste is ridiculous, and it's all virtue signaling. On Don Mill, on Dawes Road, they build this wooden superstructure with all these uh, solar panels on it that, that absolutely does nothing. And so this is where the money goes, and you want more. If I gave you my whole paycheck, and you, you, you paid my mortgage, you fed my kids, and you gave me a little car to drive, you'd be back in a year looking for more money. And what do you say to that, Budget Chief Crawford? Hey, and, and you know what? I, I totally respect and understand that. I think one of the biggest frustrations people see is is, is how we spend, and then from you know the, the caller's perspective, how we don't spend the money. We do need to look at what the priorities are in the city, from the big you know billion dollar subway costs down to the thousand uh, dollar costs we do, and that is you know that that's an ongoing debate. When I'm looking at the tens of thousands of items, I'm looking at just in a budget alone, we have to prioritize. That's not always easy. There are challenges. Um, there are, and again, when looking at things like, you know, we, we get money for de- from developers on development fees that go directly into certain projects that the property tax base, again, wouldn't be picking up. Uh, we have money that does sometimes come from the province or the federal government that is designated towards certain items, big and small, and we actually put that money towards them. Um, you may not realize that that may be dedicated money towards a particular item, uh, but ultimately it, it it is really about setting the priorities. And, and, and the key, of course, is being fiscally responsible for the money that you have and making sure that the people who uh, you know, pay taxes realize and understand that we, we are being responsible and fiscally responsible for, for the taxes. And that is a challenge. I mean, this is an ongoing thing that I think we have to prove to the residents that we are managing the money well. And if, if, if we're not, we have to continue to figure out how do we improve that, uh, that relationship with them. All right. We're going out of the GTA to speak with Al in Brantford. Go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio. Good topic. I had coffee and breakfast this morning with a fellow at the Tim Hortons coffee shop out here, and he just made the decision up after Christmas that he's listing his house because of the upkeep, the taxes. He's got to pay the neighbors to shovel his driveway, or pardon me, the sidewalk in front of his house. He pays someone to keep his driveway plowed to get in and out. He's, he's a senior. He's, he's, he's up in years. 
And he's given it up and getting rid of the house because he can't keep up with the expenses. So it's not only somebody in Toronto living mm-hmm. in a, an expensive home. It's somebody out here living in a two hundred and sixty, two hundred and eighty thousand dollar home that have had to make the decision to leave it and go to an apartment in order to maintain a life. Al, what do you think the federal government should be responsible for when it comes to city funding? Well, they took the money away, but the people keep electing the same governments that did the same thing to them. Like the other guy said, a generation ago, the federal government was paying more into the municipalities and the cities. Yes, and somehow that uh, ended up getting stripped away. Yeah, right. right. Find a government that will say we'll change it. Well, and, and Councillor Crawford, uh, Budget Chief Crawford, uh, we are getting somewhat of an indication, more empathy, I think, from this prime minister than than the previous prime minister. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I, and, and I'm hoping that it's fairly positive. I'm hoping at four o'clock we will start to see that in this particular budget. And as, as I said uh, at the beginning, it, it's, it's that partnership we want to have. And we can, we can, we can talk about the things we want. There's going to be a huge list no matter uh, you know, what, it, what we want to do. But if we can have, uh, you know, knowing that we can have that partner on an ongoing basis for those important projects that have to happen, we can start planning. We put a, we put a 10, 15-year capital plan in place, and it would be nice to know that we have a federal government that can support getting those important things done in the future so we can plan ahead. It's very difficult when we are, you know, planning these important projects, and we don't know if the money is going to be coming in, and when it's about time to do them, we have to say no, or we have to delay it once again because there's no partnership. So that's going to be a key component to uh, what I'm hoping we see. We will be chatting later this half hour in just a few minutes, in fact, with OPP Sergeant Carrie Schmidt about the distracted driving epidemic, which appears to be going on in Ontario. That's coming up in just a few minutes, as well as an update on the terror attack in the UK in London. We'll have the latest details for you. Just a couple more calls here on city funding from the federal budget. Stephen in Toronto, go ahead. I'd like to just point out, first of all, uh, corporate taxes have gone way down. Because we got to be competitive global market, so you know, there is a source of money that is uh, we've lost a lot of. Well, you're a budget expert, uh, Councillor Crawford. What do you say to that? Is there some truth to that? Well, we listen, we have been bringing corporate taxes down, uh, but again, we're bringing we need to bring them down to a point that is reasonable, uh, that doesn't scare away businesses out of the city and out of the province. I mean, when you're looking at a, a business, they want to be profitable, they want to be you know be able to do what they need to do, but we also can't scare them out. I mean, if there are jurisdictions that are outside of the city of Toronto, outside of the province, that uh, you know, there's there's lower corporate taxes, there's lower hydro rates, there's lower expense rates. I have a feeling that's where the business is going to be go. So we have to look at a, a rate that is competitive. Our rate in the past has been hasn't been competitive, and and we've seen businesses leave the city of Toronto. We're trying to balance it out right now so we can at least uh, be competitive on on that side. Thanks for your input, and uh, we'll all be watching the budget at four o'clock. Budget Chief Gary Crawford, thanks for your time. Thank you very much, Jane. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.